What's up, everybody? Jake here with another episode of Fire Talk with the It's Lit Reviews team. I've got Adam, Cole, Ron, and Matt here with me today, and we are going to be discussing uh, all sorts of stuff today. We've got a wide gambit of topics. We're covering the uh, Netflix popular movie right now, uh, Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, as well as some Star Wars. Yesterday was May the 4th, so obviously we got to touch on Star Wars a little bit here, give it its due. And then we're also talking about some of the uh, upcoming releases that we're excited for while we're still stuck here in quarantine for whoever knows how freaking long that's going to continue to be. Uh, and also the big topic of the day is going to be what's going to happen to movie theaters moving forward. So really excited to talk about all this stuff with you guys. Uh, so let's, let's start with Extraction. What do you guys think of Chris, Hems- Chris Hemsworth's Netflix, uh, I think, debut, Netflix original debut? Dude, I bought that. I bought that hard. Yeah, it's a movie that I would if it came out on DVD, I would buy that movie. <laughs> and by DVD, I mean Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't that think movie, they make DVD players anymore. That yeah, movie was do. was fantastic. You can get them at the dollar store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's not far from the truth, honestly. <laughs> sure, I'm <it's> below. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet you could pick one up at five below. I'm and sure you could get a portable like DVD player right now for like. I mean, you can get portable DVD and not Blu-ray for like fifty bucks. I mean, you're not you're not talking too much more to get like a regular setup box. If you're gonna buy a DVD player, you might as well buy the one attached to the VHS player too. <laughs> True, because you're collecting old things, so you might as well go for broke. <laughs> yeah. I had one of those back in the day. Everybody plan, had one of those. My plan day. was to take all of the Disney VHS tapes that we had growing up and transfer them over to DVD. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> you want to know how mm-hmm. many I did? None. None. <laughs> I, I know some people that still have those players, the DVD VHS combos. Combos. My grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think the average age of anybody who owns a VHS or DVD player is 40 uh, plus. Sev- no, 70 plus, bro. Come on. Uh, you're 40 uh, plus. Get out of here. I know a person under 50. I'd, be, I'd be willing to bet, actually, that there are a lot of millennials who own uh, VHS players. Right. Not anymore. Disney just released all of the uh, vault onto uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, so why, why the heck would anybody watch it on VHS anymore? It's like uh, like the record, man. like the vinyl argument. Like it just sounds better on. Analog. It doesn't though. It's a terrible VHS <laughs> tapes are terrible. Yeah. But it's to Matt's weird. point, vinyl is better. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean that's yeah. true. But VHS is not the same thing. You just so, don't get that authentic static with. Maybe they just maybe they just love rewinding. You know, be kind, rewind. Be kind. I was gonna say, <laughs> Matt. So you're a resident movie specialist. What do you think of Extraction? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. I I thought it had some really good action scenes. Uh, the plot to me was kind of meh. Uh, nothing that I haven't nothing that hasn't been done before a million times. Uh, but what I've really enjoyed about it was actually Chris Hemsworth. I think. I think in in recent years you've started to see Chris Hemsworth really grow into who he wants to be as an actor, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he was given that opportunity because of like he's made boatloads of money off of the MCU, and so now he doesn't have to choose movies just to make money. Like he can just make whatever he wants to make, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's sitting on uh, a nice nest egg. So I think he's gotten to play around a lot, and I think the character he played here was a, a really interesting take on the action hero. Uh, idea uh, and it gave him a lot of like depth to work with and so i have a question for everybody and spoiler alert for those of you listening so you can pass fast forward for like a minute after this to, to not get the spoilers is he alive and sitting there at the end of the movie no 
No. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, there's they they announced a sequel already. They announced so. a sequel, even though the. <laughs> but That's I did I did hear the because they didn't want to do a sequel, so I'm not sure why they're doing a sequel. But yes, well, so that what I read and the director intentionally kept it uh, ambiguous at the end there, like they didn't clarify who it was on purpose because they wanted it to be like if you liked his character, then he yep he was alive and sitting there like he survived somehow, and if you didn't, then yep he was dead and he closed the story and like it, it's all done. I don't know if Extraction 2 is going to have Chris Hemsworth. That was, that was my next question. I don't know if anybody saw anything confirmed there or not. I, yeah, yeah, it's going to have Chris Hemsworth in it. But the thing that maybe they left it open because they didn't know it was going to be a hit or not, not necessarily if we like the character. They're like, hey, if this takes off, we might do a second one. If it doesn't, we'll just end it here, and he died. See, from a from a storytelling perspective, I hate that. Like, yeah, I'm with I'm with Matt. I agree. No, <laughs> so I agree. Stupid. I think it needs closure. Like, make a decision. If you want to do an ambiguous ending, you can do an ambiguous ending to your movie, but it needs to be done the right way. And like, leaving your ending ambiguous because you might want a sequel is the wrong way to do it. <laughs> like, I agree with why it would be the wrong way, but I disagree with the type of ending. I I like having endings where I could kind of like make it up how I want it to be. But I do disagree with you that if that's the reason why they do it, I think they should, you know, close it up. Yeah, I mean, I I love a movie that doesn't write everything out for you in the ending. I'm not opposed to that. I just don't like the idea of, oh, let's make our ending ambiguous because then if people like it, we can make another one. Let's be real here. That's probably how that went. It was a Netflix film. Oh, I'm sure that's how it went. Yeah, let's be honest. Netflix isn't like hitting home runs with their movies. Some of them were good, but some of them. Apparently this one was 90 million households over four weeks. Dang. But they've also been home. Like how old? I was going to say, we've all been home for four weeks. How old is that? The streaming numbers for everything are so skewed right now because there are just so many more people Uh, watching things. That's actually their projection. Okay. Oh, all right. But on that same point too, I think it it works out really well. I think they could have done it better and less ambiguous. Like the, the one I think of that I think did it best is actually Batman Begins. Like to the same point, they were clearly setting up the opportunity for a sequel. But the, that movie itself had complete closure. Like, he'd become Batman. Like, he was friends with Jim Gordon. Like, everything was working out. Like, Batman was taking over the city to, like, write things that were going wrong. I thought with and Batman like, Begins, we already knew that we were getting two and three. I do not think so. We knew we had two because there's the Joker card at the end. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I don't think two was actually announced well, until after the movie was done. Right, I'm, not, right. I'm not saying I mind when a movie sets up for a sequel. Just, but I feel like what happened here is whoever wrote this movie wanted him to be dead at the end, and the studio is like, nope, yeah, we need no. it to be ambiguous, yeah. so if this is good, we can make a sequel. Like, yeah, probably. Yep. Can I just point out the fantastic camera work in that film? I loved it. I think yeah. it took a lot from, uh, from 1917. I think it actually borrowed from 1917 a lot with the action sequences yeah, and like it, a single camera following the whole it, thing. I thought it, it was really yeah, It really felt like you well were made. there. Like you were like following like when he jumped through that door and then the cameraman literally jumps with him and you're like oh shit like, yeah. I'm like, I'm it here. was uh it was very realistic as well like yeah he gets hurt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not like an instant recovery it's i'm hurt and, and i'm staying hurt <laughs> i'm staying I'm hurt. hurt yeah 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 well, and he was hurt to begin with too but that's a different that's a different thing for a different day uh but so if you haven't seen it definitely worth a watch like most of it like we said it's very enjoyable uh Cole, I didn't hear too much from you other than like mumbles of a- agreement. No, no, I mean, I, I totally <laughs> thought it was it was a good sit down, drink a beer, and have a pizza on a Friday night and it's, enjoy it's, an action film movie. I it's mean, it's not top ten quality for Cole. All right, it needs a laugh track. 
Ron, wow. I'm not even going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. It's not top 10 quality for anybody. Uh, so, no, yeah. if this is in your top I'm, 10 I'm movies, a... I think you've only seen 10 movies. Yeah. Maybe not I'm, even 10 movies. Yeah. Maybe not even 10 movies. <laughs> you've seen like eight. But yeah. definitely a good action movie. Like, I mean, you go into action movies, you're not expecting it to be like the best movie you've ever seen. You're expecting to be entertained. Yes. You didn't go into Transformers expecting to hear this like super drama filled plot line and like, twists and turns you went to see cars turn into robots and smack each other around like that's what you went into the movie yeah. for same I thing with like it, yeah. godzilla and all that like you don't go into those looking for a plot or like anything to like dig deeper than what it should it's you're there to see awesomeness unfold and i think they did that pretty well and i thought chris hemsworth leading in a role that didn't have to do with a bigger storyline such as the mcu did a really good job mm-hmm. so i, I think like the- go ahead bro I like the uh, level of depth that it had. It wasn't super deep. Like, at first, I was, you guys may disagree, but you usually, usually do. At first, I was getting like <laughs> Man on Fire vibes for a second, but it never went as good as Man on Fire. And I'm not even trying to compare the two because it's not the same at all. But that's the vibe I was getting. And then I kind but usually when Netflix films, I don't feel the depth with them. But this one with Chris Hemsworth and having his family in the, in the background and his memory. They really hit a deeper level and gave more depth to his character, which made the movie that much better. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I'm with Chris, you on Hemsworth, that one, Ron. Chris Hemsworth carried this. And oh, to sure. Matt's point, I think it was a very cool difference. Like from the MCU perspective, we've seen him have moments where he's like really serious and he gives us like that emotional depth. But usually then he always has that return to like the comedic side or he does something funny that everybody like makes Thor really endearing in the MCU right now. And in this movie, we, like, we didn't have that. Like, he was serious, like, depressed, like, not kidding around, like, the entire movie. And it was a, it was a different thing to see from Hemsworth, and he did a really good job. I think he, yeah, I he mean, carried it well. Chris Hemsworth is low-key, like, a really good actor who just happens to look like a Norse god. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, he just, and he just so happens to claim that he's not even the most talented out of – they said, like, their youngest brother – Chris and Liam both said that their youngest brother, who I, who I don't even remember his name, they say is, like, actually they think the most talented actor uh, out of the three of them. Luke, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. They've both been on record saying that Luke's, like, the most talented of the three. So. Yeah, he's also the ugliest of the three, uh, so that's and that's, that's <laughs> And that's how Hollywood casted Chris and Liam instead. So moving on to May the 4th, Star Wars went crazy yesterday. The franchise announced, I think, uh, like 20 different things that's going on with what they're doing. Not actually, but uh, they announced like three different things going on. Lots of cool things, I think, coming from Star Wars. And I mean, anybody who thought that Star Wars was going to die after episode nine was like, Ron, shitting themselves. All right, maybe the movie franchise is gonna die, but like <laughs> anybody who thought that like Disney was just gonna like let Star Wars be after Episode Nine was like was obviously kidding themselves. And so they finally announced all the different things coming out with like the live action series they got coming to Disney Plus, uh, the games and stuff they got coming out again. So lots of cool developments from Disney that are gonna happen. My number one question for you guys in honor of May the Fourth yesterday: What is your favorite moment from Star Wars? Period. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I think my favorite moment in in the Star Wars saga. We're talking about the original, the nine movies, right? Yes. Okay. So not Rogue One, not Solo, not this, not series. The Skywalker saga. Yeah, yes. I think my favorite part is when Anakin turns before he gets the suit. When he's destroying the Separatist leaders, and he turns around and he has those red eyes. That is the peak of the main story. That is when 
Darth Vader's born, Anakin falls, and that is like, that's it for me. I actually, I wish that he never had a suit because when he was like full on Anakin, evil Anakin, that was badass. I wish I had more of that. So, but granted the originals are older, but that is my favorite part, I think. Cool. I'm not surprised yours comes from the prequels. I'm, <laughs> no. I'm actually, so the, the craziest thing about this, and so I have two. One is like a specific moment. And so the, the moment is when Darth Maul unleashes his double-sided lightsaber, like just seeing that for the first time and even still watching it now as Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan get ready to battle him. And like he launches one side of it and they're looking at him and they launch the other side. And you kind of see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan both kind of do like a little bit like eyes wider glance at it. They're like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's one of my like favorite, like standalone moments. Cause you're just like, Ooh, this guy's different than like what we had seen in the four five and six up to that point. Um, and then, uh, my overall like favorite moment though, and it's nothing that's like one piece. It's just seeing Palpatine make all of the moves that he needs to from episode one through episode three to put himself in the position to where episode four happens. It's like masterful strategy, just amazing, like patience, everything Master, about it yes. is, yeah. It's like the most brilliant game of chess, political and otherwise being played like ever probably oh so, so you're gonna name the prequels twice <laughs> not just throw that out there <laughs> yeah all right i told <laughs> i said we were gonna be after that comment hey man I, you made that comment man not me uh <laughs> i think my favorite thing in star wars uh i think the way they developed the relationship between ray and kylo ren in last jedi i just think it's really well written a really complex interesting relationship and i just like the way they built it no i think you're right there i think it did a lot to like lend its lend its hand to like the gray jedi theory which if you're familiar with like the comics and stuff like that with star wars is like where everybody really thought they were going with it but who knows what they were doing because they had different directors we've talked about it before but i agree i think that was a really cool part of the last jedi too was them having that kind of connection and seeing each other's point of view where up to that point all of star wars has just been like diametrically opposed like there's never been any kind of give and take on that yeah exactly so for me, um, and this is interesting because we did the podcast on, I don't know, a couple of times about uh, when we did all this Star Wars and I, we had a pre-conversation pre about Yoda and Luke and Matt and I went back and forth in the, in the chat. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And honestly, after watching all the Star Wars and going through everything, it has now become my favorite moment is the when Luke meets Yoda on Dagobah and then that back and forth relationship that Luke and Yoda form between between themselves over all the movies. I think it's just fantastic and I just really love that. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me appreciate that moment when they meet for the first time and Yoda being Yoda and Luke being Luke and just the back and forth. I think the way Matt phrased it in the chat was Yoda just being the ultimate troll to Luke at that point. <laughs> no, he absolutely yes. is. Absolutely <laughs> trolling him. Yep. But he can because he's earned it. Well, and the best part about it too is like he's telling Luke to do all these all this crazy shit, and Luke's like, "It's impossible." And then Yoda's like, "Son, sit down, bitch, please. <laughs> Let me lift your entire ship." <laughs> and Luke's just like, "The fuck is this guy doing now?" <laughs> exactly. Do or do not. There is no try. Facts. <laughs> Big facts. All right, Adam, what's yours? I'm gonna go with a corny one, and it's the uh, scene in Episode Five carbonite scene before han gets frozen uh, oh yeah you stay corny i love badass. you 
I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's badass. It's improvised just, and everything. Uh, I love it. Completely. You can't script that. And he nah. doesn't even know that he's going to wake up. He's just like, yep, I know. I'm a, he has no idea what's going to happen after he gets frozen. He's just like, yep. Well, well hey, that, it's been on record. Hockey, saying, son of a bitch. Saying that he was supposed to, like, it was written as he was supposed to say, like, I love you too. And he's like, That's Han Solo not wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, I heard. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I love that. Because it seems like most of your best movie or best moments for movies tend to be like that unscriptedness of like the, the actors just really embodying their character. For sure. But Han Solo is one of the iconic ones out there. So very cool. Would love to hear from all of you guys listening. Uh, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, DM us. Let us know what was your favorite moment from May the 4th or from Star Wars in general. Would love to get the different ideas and opinions rolling. Ron would love to hear more people choosing the prequel things so you can help him feel better about his choices of movies there. Uh, so on a, on, the, on a different note, looking forward rather than looking back to yesterday, we got a lot of sitting at home coming up for a lot of the country still. Uh, some, country, some states are starting to open back up a little bit, but even that's going to be really slow. So what to pick your guys' brains. What do we think is what are we most excited about that's coming out uh, or that's going to be streaming here in the near future? Listen, there's only one thing that I actually care about coming to streaming anytime soon. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender yes. coming to Netflix on the 15th. Uh, don't mind you, bitch. I thought you were going to steal mine, but you didn't touch it. Oh, we're man. good. No, for real, though, if you're excited about anything other than Avatar The Last ben Airbender, you probably haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender. I've never seen it. Yeah, you, you need to. You it's, need to. I mean, it's I've our, seen pieces of it as a, as a child, but like, you know, because we were younger when it came out, when it was originally airing. Um, but I'm not hating on it. I'm, if, it's, it's one got, of those It's one of those rare things that is appealing to kids and mature enough to be entertaining to adults at the same time. Like, there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing that's inappropriate for a kid, but there's still a lot of, like, really interesting, mature stuff going on. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. So, like, I've heard it's very deep. So I'm, oh, I'm yeah. willing to give it a, a shot. So I'm not even s- My bold statement about this, and it, it's like half bold, half not bold. It is easily the best show Nickelodeon's ever put out. No, yeah. You're, you're claiming that totally. SpongeBob? SpongeBob has longer, mm. like, longer, like, greater longevity for sure. And SpongeBob's great. Like, love SpongeBob. Yeah. But Avatar The Last Airbender is without a doubt the best show that Nickelodeon's ever put out. And it might be the best cartoon potentially ever. If we ever do my top 10 TV shows, Avatar is probably going to be in there. Like, honestly. Yeah. All right, I'm going to have to give this a shot then. Because I definitely, well, definitely never... I said animated, right? I said animated. I clarified, right? I didn't try to like say it was the best TV You're show. Saying... You said animated, yeah. Okay, I wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, Matt's never, never given me a show that I didn't like. So I'm going to have to try this. This one with my seal of approval. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. double, I mean, double seal of approval. You told me Shit's Creek and I... And you love Shit's Creek. I did. I bowled through that and like three weeks so yeah yeah avatar last airbender may 15th coming to netflix dropping on netflix here in the u.s it's been on netflix in the uk for like ever it's finally coming to the u.s netflix and it used to be on amazon prime years ago but it hasn't been on anything for a long time no nickelodeon kept their one in the tank there what about you what about uh ron cole adam what are you guys excited for Um, so oh go ahead ron well i've I don't really know of anything coming out like soon that's coming off the top of my head that's noteworthy for me. 
but I did see that um, I'm hoping we're not in quarantine in November. That's <laughs> <laughs> but um, Handmaid's Tale season four is on its way in November, and I am. Mm. If you watch Handmaid's Tale, you know how season three ends. It's You're really good. Excited. Are you, are you sure that that hasn't been production delayed? No, it was announced last week that it'll. Yep, be here. it was. Yeah, well confirmed. So I haven't watched season three yet, so don't. Spoil yeah, no spoilers. Uh, yeah, so imagine waiting as long as we have. Like I'm ready for that. Me too, Ron. Me too. I'm ready for that. <laughs> All right. So for me, um, you guys know I'm a big Office fan. We've talked about it. And uh, at the end of this year, The Office is going off of Netflix. It's okay. I still mm. have them all. Um, <laughs> so I'm not worried about that. But Netflix, May 29th, Space Force is being ah, released with I was Steve Carell. You, you were that. waiting for it, weren't you? Yeah. I was going to text you earlier. I saw the poster. You don't even need to text me. I already no, knew. No, I know. That's, I that's why knew. I didn't even do it. So <laughs> like, Space Force, man. Dude, it's got Steve Carell, Lisa Cujo, John Malkovich, Ben Schwartz, a.k.a. John Ralphio is going to be in it. <laughs> uh, Netflix is touting it to be the replacement for The Office, so you know it's not going to be. Um, but I will say Greg Daniels and Steve Carell are both co-executive producers on the show and creating it, co-creators on the show as well. So we'll see. Um, they are making fun of our president creating the sixth um, uh, uh, military piece that he came out with a couple of years ago, the Space Force, so we can go to the moon and uh, populate the moon and dominate the universe. <laughs> um, that's the oh, premise show. of the show. It's going to be great, but we'll see. Uh, Netflix has been hit or miss with some of their shows, and we know with their movies that they tend to throw a ton of star power at it and then bomb sometimes. So we'll see what happens. That's I'm never here happened. for it. I'm here for it, and I'm not even an Office fan. I, I don't really like Corel, but like I, I, I like the what they're trying to do. So I, it has enough interest for me to I'm at least going to try it. I'll probably hate on it on here. So catch, of course, catch back here. Of course. I'll, I'll try it, though. I'm not against trying it out. <laughs> I'll totally try it out. Adam, anything you're super excited for coming out here in the near future? No, I'm not super excited. I don't honestly know what is being released anymore on things. I'm a little far behind in that world of uh, without anything hitting the cinemas. I'm not not sure what's actually hitting streaming anymore when it shows up and I'm browsing my Netflix or uh, HBO. That's when I find out about things. But <laughs> I, am, I am curious to know if anybody has watched any episodes of Hollywood yet. No, I haven't. Nope. That, I haven't. I, I think that show has me the most intrigued out of anything that I've seen lately as far as, hmm, this looks interesting and could also be a flop. So I want to throw this out there for anyone who is not super familiar with the work of Ryan Murphy, who is behind this show. Uh, he makes really interesting shows uh, that visually look amazing. The premise of them is really cool. And then like three quarters of the way through the season, he kind of like loses track of everything and it falls apart. <laughs> what, what streaming platform is Hollywood on again? Netflix. Netflix. Okay. And I mean, that's that's like consistently my been my experience with Ryan Murphy shows. Uh, this one could be different. Uh, I'm probably I'm definitely still gonna watch it because it looks really interesting, uh, and it looks like it's it looks like a very stylish, like well crafted period drama. Yeah. Uh, I'm just cautious about how this is gonna end. <laughs> Speaking of well-crafted period dramas, if you haven't checked it out yet, the History Channel actually has a pretty good one. Uh, and the first half of season six is dropping here today, or just came out today. Uh, and that's Vikings. 
Wait, the History Channel has things that aren't about aliens? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> really another good. Another good show, though. Yeah, they get in hat. Really Love interesting. That, really interesting premise. I haven't seen a whole lot of episodes myself. This one was actually recommended to me by a colleague at work. Uh, so shout out to Brandon if he's listening. Um, but he he swears by the show. He and his wife love it. Like the interesting side of it. Uh, he also has Viking heritage, so it's a little bit more interesting to him. Um, but from what I understand, it's a lot more of like a fictional storyline, but really dives into it and it has a lot of historical accuracies for how Vikings did battle, how their like village life was, everything about it, like the ins and outs of it and the culture is more accurate. Uh, where like the actual storyline obviously is going to be made up because it's a show. I have seen snippets. I've seen a little. I've seen pieces of a few episodes. It, it does look like it's very good. I feel like I've I been interested. The, I feel like I watched the first half of season one and it was pretty good. I'm pretty pretty sure Nick, uh, another of our brothers for anyone not in the know, uh, loves that show. So, and it's for everybody like growing out your quarantine beards. Like you can blend right <laughs> in. You can feel like a Viking. So. <laughs> Plus, yeah. it'll get you in the mood for the new Assassin's Creed. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> there you go. That, see everything. Everything's working together here. It all ties together. Synergy. <laughs> hey, do you, do you guys know off the top of your head if any original series are launching with HBO Max? I do not off the top of my head. I don't uh, either. The only original thing I know that I that off the top of my head is the Friends reunion uh, is going to be on HBO okay. Max. Because uh, I know that's coming out later this month, and if that's if, I'm sure they have stuff planned, but I don't know anything off the top of my head. Yeah, because like I would be down for the Boondocks reboot that's coming with it. So that'd be <laughs> something more near that I'd be looking forward to. So I just don't know if that's coming out like now or if that's delayed like everything else. So and that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to get into next, Ron, because uh, I, your check's in the mail for that. Uh, the <laughs> what I want to talk about next is the streaming has taken over our lives, as we all know. Uh, at least in the past couple months. And so it's causing a lot of ideas and speculation around what's going to be happening with movie theaters and movies and uh, are they even going to be a thing. But also with all these companies coming out with new streaming platforms and stuff like that, the future of streaming is kind of up in the air too. Like how does HBO Max now affect HBO Go? Are they going to start transitioning more stuff away from Go and onto Max? Or is Max just going to be its own separate thing and they have no overlap whatsoever? Lots of question marks going on here. So I want to get your guys' thoughts first and foremost on the movie side of things because, Adam, you pointed out, like, we have no idea when, like, they're throwing movie, like, release dates out into the future and they're just kind of hoping that everything's back to normal by then. Um, but, I mean, AMC and Universal are having their their tizzy right now over, over dollars and cents, uh, which I'm on AMC's side. I don't know if anybody else is. But uh, uh, just for anyone not in the know, the tizzy that they're in, uh, the president or whatever of Universal came out and made a statement about the future of video on demand and like the success they've had renting uh, Trolls World Tour and the money they've made off that and how this was going to be a big platform going forward. Uh, and the president or CEO or whatever of AMC basically had a hissy fit uh, and whoa, was like, whoa, well, whoa. fine, we're not going to show any of your movies then. Now, see, listen here. Now, you this can't is my sit opinion. with us. I, I was texting you guys about this uh, a, two days ago, and I said that AMC is being selfish. And you guys asked me, why, why is AMC being selfish? Here's why AMC is being selfish. Because Universal released trolls on video on demand because everyone was at home and they were looking out for the people's best interests because we're at <laughs> home and we can't go out. AMC is mad because they took, we took, they took away from AMC's profit. That's why they're pissed. 
that's selfish of them because they're not looking at the global pandemic. Everyone's at home. They're looking at, wow, now no. that's one less release okay. for us no, in no, a couple that, months. That, that's not what this is. Yeah. Let's not, this let's not is... pretend that Universal did this out of the goodness of their hearts. No. Like, oh, no, that's not true <laughs> Universal either. Universal did agree, this full but... to make money. But yeah, AMC's they were like, we're suffering. We need to make money. Because Universal is wanting to do this post-pandemic. Yes, they're wanting to continue to do this and release video on demand alongside putting it out in theaters. Like Within like a day or a week, they said, I remember the initial plan. But it was very quickly after it was being released, they wanted to go to the video on demand model, which you got to think these movie theaters, A, barely make money any money off of the actual tickets for movies themselves. They make money off the concessions. Yep. And so they're already not making a ton of profit there. And now you're shortening the amount of time that they can even get people into the theater because now they can go get it from their house. I think Universal is the one being selfish. They're actually going to put thousands of people out of jobs by going this route instead of letting these theaters stay open. So I think AMC responded about it, as best they can. It's I think from a, from a realistic standpoint, it's never going to happen that way. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you don't think so, huh? A- AMC no. responded prematurely. They needed to let it happen, see how it impacted them, and then respond by saying, okay, if you continue to do this, we're not going to show your films on release date in our theaters. I agree with that, Adam. I agree with exactly what you said. But if we rewind, I've never saw any source claim that AMC or that Universal released it. Plan they plan on doing that further until further notice. Yeah. Now, if the they did deal. say that, which I'm I'm not saying you guys are wrong because they probably did say that. I think that's going to happen anyways. It was a huge success. I mean, my fiance as well as tons of people that I know personally prefer to stay at home and watch movies. I'm not Why? speaking for myself. I love the theater experience. You can ask Cole. Yeah. I wanted to, we used to go yeah. midnight, midnight movies, dude, all the time. You know, I love that reaction when Captain grabs Thor's hammer and the whole theater screaming. I couldn't have imagined having that at my house. Like that would have there, sucked. There are people that hate that. Yep. Like my, my, my wife, woman, she hates that. Liz does not like that. There are people that don't like that. They don't want to sit at then. home. They want to be in their pajamas. They want to have their own food. They don't want to spend twenty dollars on pop. I get it. But I'm, you know, but so I think that is in the future. I think a lot of companies are going to do that. I'm now, not if that's even... true, then I don't think AMC was being selfish. But from my perspective, I thought they were just mad because Trolls is one of the only things that came out without a theatrical release. A lot of places, uh, are, everyone else is just delaying. I got so you. So I thought AMC was like, well, fuck you then, which I wouldn't blame them then. You I'm know, not so. even talking about the entertainment aspect of things, though. I'm just looking at this solely from a monetary standpoint. Okay. Uh, because you look at Trolls World, World Tour, which they're touting as this major video on demand success, right? It mm-hmm. sucked, by the way. Uh, do we, have, have they released figures <laughs> for how much money they've made? I don't think they 100 have. million plus. Okay. It was like just, it was pretty close to the first Trolls movie. So it let's call it. It was more. It was more? Yeah. I thought it was just short of what Trolls made in like the opening weekend. I'm, I'm researching. Okay. Well, Adam's researching. Let's call it $150 million. Okay. Uh, Universal has a major release coming up soon. Uh, you guys may have heard of it, uh, No Time to Die, uh, the new Never James heard Bond movie. <laughs> uh, that movie had a production budget of $250 million. That's not counting marketing. That's not counting anything in addition to the cost of actually making that movie. There is no way they can make money off of that movie from a video-on-demand model. Unless they're charging people like 60 bucks to rent it, and then nobody's going to do that. No, you're right. 
That makes sense. Movies, movies be, like that have you'd end to up have having, a theatrical release. You'd end up having a lot more one. house parties. It'd be well, like yeah. pay-per-view fights. You'd have a bunch of people over. Hey, we're going to rent the uh, Bond movie tonight. Why yeah, don't we have everybody? Thirty come over? bucks, fifty bucks, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and yeah, they still make them. They're going to make the same amount. They're going to make that hundred fifty million dollars, give or take. But yeah. when they have, when you have theaters, when you have theaters charging upwards of fifteen, twenty bucks per person, like there's just no comparison to the amount of revenue you can bring in with the theatrical release compared to video on demand. Yeah, you like also got to take into account: does it cost the studio to ship their movies out to theaters? Is there a cost at that? It's I, all digital. I'm about to say I doubt it, yeah. that much anymore. Yeah, they just download them. That's yeah. it's not shipped. That was anymore. Just there's question. no film. Yeah, yeah there's no know. there's no film reels and stuff anymore. Barring the very rare film that does use film because they I, still do happen. But. IMAX films may still be a hard shipped. copy. Some of them. Some, some of them. them. Some it, of them. Only the so like when like the Quentin older. Tarantino does like his like 70 millimeter releases and stuff like that. Those are shipped on actual film and only shown in certain theaters that have that capability. Yeah, because most of them don't anymore. They all uh, have electric projectors. Well, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think that this model is going to go away. It's just not going to replace a theatrical release. I hope Which not. is why this, this really whole drama is, is pointless because it's never going to come to pass. No, but I think Universal and Regal, because Regal actually joined up with Universal and said, or not re- with Universal, with AMC and said the same thing. And they're like, if Universal decides to go this route, like we're going to have to go with AMC and not with, show their movies. And it's exactly what they needed to do, though, is do it together. Because if one of them decided to not do it, Universal has more power than they do, to your point. Because right now they're missing out on, there's no way Avengers Endgame makes $3 billion in that, without a exactly release. Like it doesn't happen. And there's no way that uh, Disney's not going to release that. To the- they're going to go video on demand just because it's easier and they want to take 2% more of the profits or something like that. Like, you're 100% right. But I think it is a good now, platform for like, I can definitely, I can definitely see uh, this being a step in the straight-to-video release market. Uh, where Back they do to it the straight-to-video. Well, because well, I mean, there are still movies that are released straight-to-video. Uh, so, but where they do it as a rental first and then release it straight to video, I can see it being an added extra step where after like eight weeks in theaters or something, they put it up for a $20 rental. Uh, but there's absolutely, sense. there's absolutely no way the theatrical release is going away. There's just too much money at stake. Uh, too many people profiting off of it. it it's, it's unrealistic. I no, think I, there's a, I think there's a bigger conversation here that we're not having. And that conversation is you either have to innovate or you die. Mm-hmm. And I think coronavirus is it's not a blip here. It's not something like little thing. And then in six months, we're, we're going to stop talking about this. We live oh, in an no. overconsumed media market right now. And mm-hmm. so coronavirus is going to be here and we're going to talk about it for years to come. And like at this point, like when we started, when, you, when we talked about this and set it out in the, in the chat, I thought about like CD to Napsters to iTunes to streaming. Like innovate or die something in this there's going to be an innovation somewhere in the in the movie market whether it be specialized movie theaters where movie theaters specialize in something whether it be like i know we see like smaller market movie theaters where you do like a movie and dinner and type of thing like that or love those places yeah and they're great or we see like we're going to see as matt talked about a little bit earlier where specific movies only go to the movie theater and bigger release like bigger releases and things like that and smaller market movies will go to via video on demand and things like that but I think there's going to be some big change in the movie market somewhere. I was 
actually talking to my dad about this uh, a week or two ago because, you know, my dad is my dad, so he's a little older. You know, he's one of those people that hates technology. He won't get a firebox or a fire stick, and he gets – he lives up north. So there's still video rental places like Family Video, and he's complaining that they're all going out of business, and not, you know. And I told him that one of the things coronavirus is doing is it's forcing people to go into the digital age. I, myself, at one point in time, had a couple hundred movies, hard copies. Cole so actually I, got me into that 400. Kind of thing. I had 400. Yeah. Because of coronavirus, I bought, and I swore I would never do this, I bought my first digital copy of a movie. I downloaded Birds of Prey in 4K straight to my firebox. I downloaded this app called Movies Anywhere where you can have all your movies anywhere from any Amazon, whatever you buy it from in one place. And I've been buying digital movies nonstop. And now I can't stop. And that's another thing that you can, that could uh, make them more money if they go to theaters at home too, is you're going to have more people that I don't got to leave. Might as well buy it. Debating on, well, I don't really want to go to the theater. Uh, How much am I going to spend at the theater? You can't say no if it's right there. You know how many movies that we've rented over the quarantine this month because it's right there and it's like taunting me every time I get on my firebox. It's the banner right there at the top. Amazon's really good at that too. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other night I wanted I, hate to, I wanted to watch tablet. I wanted to watch Tarantino's last movie. Um, and the only reason I didn't is because I have the self control not to buy it. <laughs> I was waiting for it to come to rental. Yeah. And so I didn't. And the week before that, I wanted to watch the uh, the gentleman. And it was only at the time as a buy. And this week it went to the rent. So I rented it this last weekend. But at the same time, I was like, should I buy it? I mean, it's only 20 bucks. It's not like mm-hmm. it's that much money. Until you, buy, until you buy eight of them in one week and you're at 160 bucks. And you're like, what the hell happened to my account this week? And I, I used to do that. I used <laughs> to do that. Yeah. So I, I think don't... you bring up a really interesting point though, Cole. And it's, I think you're, I think you are going to see something different happened where to, to kind of combine your and Matt's point of like the specialization, you're going to find like different movies going like, like your big blockbusters, like they have to go to theater, especially for like an extended run to try and Cause I mean, it's not like any company is going to give up and try to not beat uh, Marvel's record of three billion dollars or close to it i mean like disney's not gonna stop trying to do i mean that, disney's right? you know <laughs> disney disney continues to, they're putting out i'm super pumped like the one good thing that's come out of this so far is that like 2021 right now allegedly has five mcu movies scheduled for it which will be the first time ever my like, bank account i'm so pumped <laughs> about that like i can't even ex- i can't even like explain how excited i am for 2021 um but to that point i think you're right in the fact that you're going to start seeing some of these movie theaters they're going to start taking out the rights to some of like the older movies now too like more of your nostalgia factor your classics like the godfather and stuff and reshowing those in theaters for maybe like a discounted price as oh, a cinema. way of making up some of that of that uh, revenue some I places are already are, starting to do yeah that. already doing that i was actually checking my i didn't mean to interrupt you adam i was just starting off with the same thing i saw on um Rotten Tomatoes the other day I was looking up because some theaters opened up in Texas and stuff earlier this week this weekend Mm -hmm. and um, the top box office right now if you look it up are the last Harry Potter movies some Star Wars movies they're replaying stuff like that Empire Strikes Back Deathly Hallows Part 2 you know people are going to go and see that I mean but you have to consider that the only reason people are paying money to see that in a theater is because there's nothing else to see and they've been cooped up in the house for the past six weeks Sure, yep. but those are also giant spectacles. I mean, I'd go see Endgame again. The key with it is going to be, though, is that you can't stream it somewhere because if you can stream The Godfather somewhere, there's no reason for me to pay 20 bucks with for me and my wife to go see it in theater. 
But for example, the Harry Potter movies aren't streamable anywhere right now. You I think you can rent, rent them. You can rent them and buy them. Actually, yeah. I think but you can only buy them, but you can't rent a, them. And some of those theater, like that. If you're a theater person, though, I could have Endgame. And if they have it for a limited time in IMAX, I'm going to go see it in IMAX. That's a different experience. That's probably true, too. That's yeah. how I chose to see it to begin with. The, I mean, <laughs> I'm I very mean, pro-theater you theater, just so we're clear. I am not against I'm, I'm pro theater, theater as well. I love the theater. I I'm curious to see how anyway. how things like that fare when new releases start coming back. Yep, that's, I think you're right. That's a whole be, other thing that I was well, going to bring up. You it'll be it, limited. Like, so Cinemark up in Michigan and in the Midwest already does this kind of stuff once a or like they I think they do series like on Sundays and Wednesdays or Sundays and Thursdays or something like that. They'll show the same movie twice a week in the week. And then the next week, it's something different. Just the throwback classic films mm-hmm. that people love to go see that may not have been able to see it in the theater to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Regal, mean, I went, Regal does that too. Done. I went sometime like last fall or something and saw uh, Alien in theater uh, because they were doing an anniversary showing, and I had never seen it on a big screen before. Yeah, if you like yeah. the. Th- I think there's always going to be market for that for people, especially like us that like the theater. I mean, that's why we're all here. Um, the theater. The theater. <laughs> no. Not that theater. No, not that theater. <laughs> I like that well, too. <laughs> if, if I may, I would like to bring up a whole other perspective to the situation too. You bringing in a new perspective? I bet it's controversial too. <laughs> Does it have to no. do with Star Wars? Hot no. <laughs> no. Um, Jake, I think, was actually probably going to ask this in the future anyways today. But I think this also depends on how the theaters react to opening back up anyways. I mean, some of the early re- openings this week in some states, they're doing TSA check-ins, they're doing temperature checks, they're doing all these things. So how is that going to affect numbers when they start showing movies? How Hashtag much of this is going to be long-term? Because you're also going to drive away fans because people are going to be scared of coronavirus, even if it's not a thing anymore. See, I mean, it's going to be a thing I, for a long time. It's going to be right. a thing for a long time. Yeah. And I disagree that you're going to scare away people because you're going to get used to it. It was a big deal when sports venues started doing it too. And now it's commonplace. So if everybody's doing it in every single environment and you're still doing your, um, you're, you know, you're going to have the, the capacity limits for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have a full theater. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in Michigan right now is all masks on because – you well, except for the one storming the Capitol. Well, but you know. That's a political thing. We're not going to get down that road. That's a political thing. We're not going there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean. Again, I it, agree with you, Adam. I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm just trying to bring up the point. The, the more it becomes commonplace, and as long as everyone is doing it, and it, that be, then it becomes commonplace, I don't think it, at that point, scares people away. Now, and, what about prices? Because they're going to have to make up for these losses. Do you think theaters are going to jack prices up, or do you think they're going to drop them drastically? Because I don't think you're. I going, think they stay very similar. I think you're, yeah, think you're going to see a pretty steady. Think so? Yeah. Price right now. If they jack the prices up, I'll watch from home because I. I that's what I'm saying. Because depending on yeah. how they react to this kind of thing, because we've never seen this before, you know, depending on how they react to this and opening back up, and if popcorn is going to be a dollar, if it's going to be twenty dollars, we that's also going to affect who comes and who doesn't. I think. No, I don't. I don't I think, think you're going to see a major change. I think initially to get butts in yeah. seats, I think you'll see. A, drop, a lot probably. of drops or special coupon things going on. Yeah. Um, well, especially while there are no releases, they're probably going to be charging reduced prices for tickets. For yeah. sure. Just to get people in. And 
to your point, Ron, of wondering how people are going to go back, I think everybody has their breaking point. Like, no matter how cautious you are, everybody has only so much time they can take inside and being right. quarantined before they're going to at least risk, like take that small risk to go do something. Yeah. And now whether or not they get, they get scared or shell shocked and turned away and whether or not like that and how, sh- how small that breaking point should be and how like long it should be all up for debate, like a whole lot of things there. As long, if you're going out, you got to be safe in my opinion, period. Like that's no, what everybody and, should be doing. And it's different for everybody. And it's different yeah. for everybody. Like if you're more at risk, absolutely. Like you should be less likely to go out and your threshold should be higher. And, and I think that's why Universal made the move to say, hey, we're still going to offer VOD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, you know, th- so I found, I got numbers for you. Okay. So uh, the original mm-hmm. release of Trolls which was domestic domestic box office was just under 154 million yep. to, to date. Um, and this article was written on the 28th of April. Uh, Trolls world tour had grossed a hundred million in sales and that's just VOD. I mean, I don't think you can get sales but, any other way. You I also, guess you could do uh, pre-order. So you also yeah. have to consider that it was a lot more popular because again, everyone is stuck inside. Yeah, facts for sure. That's true. And parents um, can only handle watching Frozen two so many, so many times. <laughs> Double I facts. Have, I have not caved yet. <laughs> Don't to Frozen I, two I or got, no, no. I got we got really close a couple weekends ago in when Trolls World Tour came out. It's like you know what we'd all gone to see this in theaters. I might spend the twenty bucks to see this. I mean, it's cheaper and, for a family of four. Like, I get it yeah. that it makes sense, like for you guys, especially, and like anybody well, who has a family, like family he, of four makes a ton of sense. Kids that won't sit still. Mm-hmm. You okay. Pause the movie, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. All that good stuff. If, if the yeah. kid gets bored and doesn't want to watch the movie anymore, well, guess what? I'm Everybody not, else is still gonna watch it. I'm like, not. I'm not interrupting the entire theater to chase my kid around. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we should just release children's movies to home. Well, I mean, that's I why they're uh, releasing Scoob here. They went. They decided yeah. to go straight to VOD with that one because I mean, that's definitely targeted to kids. Stay home. So, that way I can he, enjoy my movie in quiet. Here, here's the deal with Scoob. Nostalgia is going to get that one boosted way up. Yeah. I don't know about way up. I don't. My, I, my like, wife I and like I will, will likely rent that one. Yeah, I will not rent too. that one. Like Dude, I like Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. I don't like a lot of new animation. I That's liked fair. the classic animation of Scooby Doo, and I yeah. liked how it looked back then. Like, why do you have to change it with this nonsense? Which is getting us into a different topic. Just so but. all of our <laughs> listeners know, uh, Jake is not, in fact, eighty years old. I'm not. <laughs> I swear, I just sound like it sometimes. Hey, when when your when your child arrives uh, this fall, so, you're, he's going to tell you that they, they don't care about the animation. They like that new animation, and you're going to oh, rent no, it. No, I'm not going to so love this here's, song. Here's here's, anyway. the, here's my deal with this particular Scooby Doo film. <laughs> I like it. I like the concept of it because it is animated. It's not trying to hybrid crap it like Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two. Those where movies it was, were great. Are you talking about Spooky were, Island? Don't be, don't be dissing on Spooky <laughs> Island. Don't bro. hate. Don't hate. Okay, on the those second movies. one was terrible. The first okay, one was guys. great. All right. The this acting. The acting in those alone was atrocious. Like no, Story- Matthew Lillard. Storyline. They probably could have gotten away with perfect. It for shaggy oh, Matthew for Lillard sure. is perfect what about freddie prince jr don't hate on they, freddie they could have done just as good as a job is if it was an animated film and they voice acted it yeah they could have that's true oh, all right gosh. so on the same side of that and like we'll, we'll wrap up here before we spiral too much uh 
So in terms of like the streaming side of things, like everybody's coming up with their own stuff. NBC has plans. They, I think they might have already released or it's coming out soon. The like fact that you don't know tells you how little everyone cares about that. I know, right? Streaming right? Services. But it's coming. <laughs> uh, Here, you want to know what my NBC streaming service is? Hulu? Hulu. Uh, YouTube TV. <laughs> I can record anything that I want to watch from NBC on, Hulu, on YouTube TV, and it's just as good. And so my question to you guys becomes, do you, how much do you think streaming, do you think streaming is kind of going to go the way of like the television stations almost, where you have like your big five, six television stations, you're going to have the big five, six streaming platforms and like everything else is kind of going to be auxiliary that there's not going to be a whole lot on. They're not going to be big money makers because like uh, HBO Go versus HBO Max, for example. I think eventually everyone is going to have most streaming services and they're going to take over everything. I mean, just in this quarantine alone, I've subscribed to HBO, Cinemax, Stars. Why? I think because I need new shows to watch, man. I started watching Black Sails. Cinemax sucks, though. I think we're at some movies that I could rent. You know, seven day free trials expire and then you're stuck. You're like, ah, (laughs) you make up another email address. We are not promoting that kind of activity on this podcast. <laughs> never. I would never do that. <laughs> I, uh, I think we're quickly reaching, I think we're at like peak streaming service right now. Yeah, um, I agree. Where I like the too. streaming market is huge. Everyone feels like they can do it. So they're launching a million streaming services. I think we're quickly going to reach the point of diminishing returns on that where yeah, a lot of these services aren't able to make the money they need to to justify their existence. So I think there's going to be a period of time, a year or two, where we have just like this massive shit ton of streaming services to choose from. And then it's all going to condense back down when everyone realizes that they can't make enough money to justify their own. It actually reminds me of a a document that my work comes out with. It's called a hype cycle. And so uh, at the top of the hype cycle, which is where you're explaining like the, the streaming platforms are at right now is like the peak of inflated expectations. Like everybody thinks they can do it. It's the next greatest thing. Like everybody thinks they can do everything for their company and what comes next is the trough of disillusionment (laughs) and so uh, it's where like everybody finds out that like oh we can't do this like we don't have enough stuff for this all that other stuff that's going to happen and after you get through that you get into like the slope of enlightenment and the plateau of productivity uh it's mostly for technology because my company is a technology company but but yeah uh, i mean i mean this is something that we've seen before like the dot-com bubble like it's the same thing like everyone thought they could get in make a ton of money and then it was just like oh no Sorry. In a year or two years, it's going to be Netflix, Disney, Hulu. Uh, I don't know about that, but I think Hulu's got to be gone, but that's fine. Well, Hulu's part of Disney. That's why I'm saying Hulu will still be around because Disney's going to keep it around. Yes, so they can have their controversial stuff on it. Yeah, they Um, need to put their rated R stuff somewhere. (laughs) Like Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hashtag three episode throwback. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Um, I just wanted to go back into HBO now and HBO Go. So I'm on no Max versus Go. Max, sorry, versus Go. Max versus Go, or no? Go and Go and Now are the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do, but <laughs> How, I, I think they're so, so convoluted so at this point. Yeah. I think this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem. I think they're transferring now into Max, which is its standalone streaming service. Yes. Yeah. HBO yep. Go is a streaming service that you get with if you have cable. If you yeah, have if you, if have, you have a cable subscription. subscription, yep. So from so from what my research earlier was that now becomes Max, both still have the same because ultimately the user is still paying for it. Except now what, Max is going to have the originals too, is what I understand. And I don't know if the HBO cable yeah, platform is going to keep. That's a question it. I've had I this whole time. They may Just, not put them on the cable platform, 
but I think you'll still have access to them via the app because you are paying for an HBO subscription and getting the same content that the Max subscription that, is also. That's doing. one of the problems here. I've looked into this exact question and have not been able to find an answer of whether HBO Go is going to have the same content yeah. as HBO Max. I'm sure HBO they're being very cagey about it. Yeah, the they're trying to figure out if they have a way H- to, to not do it. When HBO Max released their um, release date trailer last week, at the very beginning, it says all of HBO meets your favorite movies. Well, plus HBO Max is going to have everything. Yeah, because it's, it's just Max. whether the new original content, like, is HBO Max going to have its own original content that's separate from HBO? Like the Friends. That's special. the question. Yes. Will that show yes. on HBO cable? Who knows? No. At that's, this point. My okay. take on okay. it is it should just be on Max. That's so, the perception oh, I'm getting from it. HBO has put out an FAQ. This is it. An, <laughs> does it actually answer that question? Because I'm with Matt. I haven't been able to. H- find I have it. not so been able to find an answer. to The biggest this. difference in what you can stream. So this is a direct quote from HBOMax.com. HBO okay. Max is a standalone streaming platform where you can stream all of HBO along with new Max originals. Yes. An iconic yeah. series and blockbuster movies from Warner Media's characters and brands. Yes. HBO Now and Go are your options for streaming HBO, including every season and every episode of your favorite HBO originals, hit movies, award-winning uh, specials. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't so, like that at all. So what I'm hearing them say is, they're double uh, dipping is what they're doing. Yeah, because no, if what, you want what I both, hear... you get both. You have to buy both. No, no. So what I'm hearing them say is uh, drop your cable subscription. Exactly. Max, and everybody's happy. All it's your cable a, providers love that. It seems sense. like they're, they're dipping into their own market, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I know old people that will not drop their HBO subscription to go digital. Like, but they're also, this they're is also what the I'm ones saying. that are going to go subscribe for Max. Guys, this is what I've been saying throughout this whole podcast about the digital age is it's coming for you have to change with it. It's going to be max. Oh, or no, nothing. I know. I know. It's innovate or die. And yeah. some people are just going to choose to die when it comes to their <laughs> cable subscription well, yeah. and uh, digital. Yeah, what, what's going to die is going to be my checking account. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, I would personally rather die than stop paying 150 bucks a month for cable. Like, <laughs> Oh, 100%. That's like why everybody's streaming in the first place. Yeah, the funny part is I'm paying more now than I did ever when I had cable <laughs> full. Anyways. All right. Well, appreciate everybody for uh, timing in their thoughts here. Like we said there at the beginning, there's a lot of uh, different ideas where the future holds and what makes the future so interesting to talk about. Uh, if you've been listening in with us, we appreciate you joining us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Hit us up on any of the social platforms at It's Lit Reviews. We'd love to hear back from you about topics that you'd like us to discuss, feedback on our episodes, anything and everything. You can just hit us up if you're lonely and you want to chat in quarantine. We'll answer those too because uh, we're lonely and we'd love to chat with you also. Nothing uh, weird though. Nothing weird though. Weird. No dick pics, please. We like some of us. Can... <laughs> Although I can make it uh, Never mind. We're just going to leave it from there. Uh, appreciate y'all tuning in and until next time uh, enjoy your quarantine streaming keep a lookout for the shows we suggested we'll see you next time